Greetings, everyone. Grace and peace to you, wherever you find yourself today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's iteration of our Soma Northwest uh, pastoral conversations. Each week, we are taking some time to talk here um, and record ourselves having a conversation over what would have been our preaching topic for this Sunday. Uh, we are in the middle of a series where we are taking a look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Who is God's Spirit and what is God's Spirit doing in the church and in the world around us? And this discussion is part of a bigger discussion on spiritual formation. How are we shaped and formed by God into the men and women that he has created us to be? How do we grow both individually and collectively into maturity, into wholeness? And what, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like for us to be involved and to um, accept the invitation from the Spirit to be involved and to participate in his transformation? of us. And so this week we are going to get into the gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts. And as always, I'm joined by Pastor Andrew Hughes. Andrew, good to see you this morning. Good morning. Not on the front porch this morning because of the freeze warning. So yes, no nature escapes today. Well, <laughs> we will, we will miss that. We'll wait with bated breath for our maybe, maybe I'll recording. Maybe I'll crack a window here for you guys. And uh, back again, um, I, I don't know if we can call him a podcast regular yet, but two in a podcast, row, two in a row. Podcast. Oh, now, come on, <laughs> come on. Pastor Nate Dunleavy, Nate, welcome again. Oh, man. Yeah, that's some, serious, that's some next level chop busting there, Robert. Right. That's right. You know, it's what we do here on this raw, unfiltered podcast. Can, can I ask, is your, is your first name really Robert, or are you just like, because like, I don't know, where you come from, they may just name the kids Bob. Like, I, they would just come right out. <laughs> Not even going to address that. <laughs> Not even going to talk about that. As, I, I'm sorry, that was hurtful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're getting into some real family shade right there. Oh, that's, man. Uh, that's something that's best discussed off podcast. So All we'll, right. we'll get Fair into enough. that. Fair enough. Uh, if you are listening to this and you're living in the Indianapolis area, you know that this past week has been a heavy one uh, for uh, Indianapolis residents. It's been a tragic week. A number of police-involved deaths and that have really rocked our city um, have, uh, you know, just exposed the. Uh, the division and the the, uh, the the fracture points that already exist, and unfortunately, when we have incidents like this, um, it just raises to the surface uh, what is already there. And I know uh, we have a number of folks in our church who have been just really, really affected by this, and number of people in our city who are just hurt and in pain and confused and looking for answers and you couple that with the video of Ahmed Aubrey's murder that was released, uh, the young man who was um, uh, hunted and, and murdered down in Brunswick, Georgia, 
uh, back in February, I believe. And uh, we're just now, the nation is just now seeing the video of that awful, that awful crime. Um, and then some of you may be familiar with Darren Patrick, who is a, is a pastor, uh, well-known pastor, um, uh, author, was uh, president of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network for a number of years. And the news broke yesterday that um, he apparently took his own life on Thursday. And so it's just been a heavy week. And yeah, um, yeah just uh, it, we're feeling it. And so what we wanna do today is we wanna end our time, our discussion, by talking about how the gifts of the Spirit actually bring us together and help us experience Jesus in these times of chaos and, and, and disorientation and, and tragedy. Uh, we're already living in that with our coronavirus and then uh, just the, the seemingly and awful normal, awfully normal things that come up. Um, just to add to that. And so we want to take some time at the end of our conversation to talk about that and to encourage us as we make sense of these things and, and move forward in them. Uh, we're going to be working off of a few different passages today. We're going to be uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans chapter 12, the beginning of Romans chapter 12, um, as we begin to discuss the gifts of the Spirit. And um, I know uh, if you have grown up in a, uh, in a church environment, no doubt you have heard the term spiritual gifts. And uh, at the same time, you probably have some confusion about those. And so what we want to do is we just want to bring some clarity to that during this time and um, give you some hooks from the scriptures to begin to make sense of what are these gifts, what are they for, how did they show up in the life of the church, and um, uh, what, what do they produce in, in our church relationships. And so first of all, guys, um, let's talk about what are these gifts. And uh, I think a great definition comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul talks about these gifts. And he says there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And in verse 7, he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I think a, a, a good definition of the gifts are right there in verse seven, that the gifts are a manifestation of the spirit, God himself working in and through his church, concrete, tangible, visible, vocal displays of divine power in human form and activity. Do you agree with that or do you have stuff to add to that? What do you think about that definition? No, I think that language is spot on. You know, the, even the word in the in the New Testament that Paul uses to for gift is uh, is charisma or or charis, which means grace, and ma, which means manifestation of. Right. So it's God making Himself physically visible through us in love, for the purpose of displaying love 
to the church and to the world. And when you think about your spiritual gifting like that, it's God showing up in, in you in order that people would feel loved. That's, that's amazing. You talk about something exciting that we can talk about in what's been just, I'd say it's one of the worst weeks in memory, but there's been a lot of bad weeks recently. <laughs> but when you talk about the fact that God loves us and he wants to show up in us and let other people feel loved, I, I, it's a pretty good thing to talk about today. Yeah, I would say that that's that's clear also in uh, the passions passage of in Ephesians that you've got uh, on the list for today. Uh, if you look at chapter four, verse seven, it says, "But the grace, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift." So, the grace that we're given is given from Christ, and we were talking about this offline before. That um, are, are are the gifts the the gifts in the list that we read, or are the gifts really the love and grace of Christ? Uh, as he's giving us his spirit to manifest his love to us and through us. Um, I think that just comes, comes through clearly in that passage as well. Yeah. And part of the reason why if you spend any time in the new Testament and there's all these lists, right. Of all these different gifts and the lists never agree with each other and they're not consistent. And you're like, well, what are the spiritual gifts? Those lists were never meant to be like an encyclopedia of gifts. Like here's your menu, pick one of the things off this list. They were just meant to be descriptive of all of the, <laughs> the many, many infinite ways in which God shows up, makes himself plainly seen and known through us and demonstrates love to his people. So there's no like one list or like finite list of, of what constitutes a spiritual gift. It's any time God shows up to love people and he does it in you. That's a spiritual gift. That's a manifestation of grace, a manifestation of the spirit himself. And Paul, when Paul um, lays out his case for the gifts in each of these passages he's using the metaphor of a body of a of a human body and that these gifts represent different parts of or they represent um uh the different parts of the body uh i'm sorry they the the people god's people represent the different parts of the body and how the gifts show up in those different parts of the body and what paul does in this analogy is he he's making the case that the different parts of the body need to work as they are as they have been created to work for the overall body to experience health and and to to move and to work and to exist as it was intended to and so when we talk about why these gifts were given to the church in each of these passages paul paul relates to these specific people, when these gifts are present and the love of God is present through these gifts, through you in your connection to the body, that the body experiences health, that the body works the way it is supposed to work. So the gifts are given to the church so the church can grow healthy, so the church can work properly. And again, that's a manifestation of God's love for us. You know, we, we, I think of, um, you know, each one of us has, has kids that we have, that we have and are nurturing and, and, 
and helping to grow into healthy um, adults. Um, that's the responsibility that we have. And all of that is done in the context of love. Um, that our, our, uh, everything that we do from, from feeding our kids and bathing our kids and clothing our kids and protecting our kids and making sure our kids get to the doctor and that they, you know, that we're helping them work through different physical ailments. Like all of these things are done in the context of love and to use the specific words here of Paul that they would reach unity that we would reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ so my question to you guys is how do the gifts do this how is it that when these gifts are present when the spirit is present and the love of god is being made manifest through these different giftings that his people possess how do these gifts maintain unity and build up the church into maturity? What does that look like? So the goal of the church is to be the fullness of Christ, right? To full to everything that is Christ can be represented through the church. The same word that Paul uses to say the church is the fullness of, of Christ is the same word that Paul uses of Christ to say Christ is the fullness of God, which that's, that's an incredible thing, right? But it tells you what, our, our, what the goal that God has for us is, which is to have Christ dwell in us so completely. And in order for Christ to fully dwell in us, that sounds like really crazy when I think about me, right? Like I know me and I'm a sinner and I know you guys and you guys are sinners. And even together, the three of us, we're still pretty much a mess, right? But when you start talking about the fullness of the church, Christ's ability to manifest himself, not just in one little part, but to take all of those parts and bring them together and make them whole so that when people see the full church, they see Jesus that's what it means to grow up into full maturity. So in order for the world to look at the church and say, wow, that looks like Jesus, it's going to mean every body part. It, it shouldn't look like Jesus missing an arm, right? Or, or a one-legged Jesus. <laughs> the, the world should look at the church and say, oh my gosh, I see God dwelling in those people. But that requires every body part to be healthy, every body part to be functioning, every body part to be exuding grace and love, just like you would imagine Jesus would exude grace and love with everything he did. If the church is exuding grace and love and everything it does, then we have reached full maturity and the world will look at us and say, wow, that church, that is Jesus. God loves me because I can see it because that church is loving me so much. So when we have members of our body that aren't utilizing the love God has given to them for, for the world and for the church, we as a, as a collective aren't mature yet because people are looking at us and being like, that Jesus is missing a finger. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's a little bit of a crass illustration, but that's, that's really what's happening. Yeah, and, and we want to get into that here in a few minutes because I think that is a that is a reality is that there are many many Christians who are a part of the body of Christ who do neglect their gifts 
who aren't working in a way yeah. in which they were they were intended to work. And there are and, many many Christians who whose whose gifts are neglected <laughs> because right. the church doesn't value them, doesn't look at them, and doesn't see them as important. Right, right. Um, in his books, in his book Spirit and Sacrament, Andrew Wilson has a has a really great line in there. The triune God is experienced in the church through the physical symbols of bread and wine and water, through the word read and proclaimed, and through the activity and presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. And I think that that is, that is something when we think about, um, uh, we've, we've talked a lot um, over the last year or so at Soma Northwest because we've been um, in the Old Testament a lot about the physical symbols of, of, of that God gave to his people in a way in which God wanted his people to know something about him. And so he, he gave them something that they could experience, that they could see, that they could touch. And we've talked about it in the context of like the glory of God, the glory of God being that, that physical manifestation of God's presence. And I think that that really dovetails with what we're talking about here, that the church in the world is the physical manifestation of the presence of God, that what God wants to do in this world, how he wants to be known in this world is through the church. And, and that is why we're here. That is why, you know, God doesn't just take us up to heaven and just, you know, as soon as we come into the kingdom of God and we're gone, but we're here so that the world can see what God is like in a way that they can, that they can understand. Um, and that happens through us. And so uh, this is a really important question. How do we discern what gifts we've been given? Uh, I mentioned that if we've been in church, um, especially if you were in church in the 90s, I think this was, this was pretty common. <laughs> um, we had things that were known as spiritual gift inventory, oh, you know, and, and so you would take a test and, uh, and, and then it would spit back, you know, these results about what your spiritual gift was. And then you get locked into that. And it's like, well, this is who I am and this is how I'm supposed to serve. And, and I think a lot of us have come to the understanding that that wasn't a, a healthy way of discerning the gifts, but how, how do we discern what gifts we've been given by the Spirit? Yeah, I wanted to start with uh, probably the most fundamental or basic um, piece of this that I think we is probably the easiest to miss. And we This is all we've been talking about so far, but um, you have to be in the context of the body of Christ. Um, I was going to start by saying you just you you just start serving you start laying laying yourself down for the good of others, um, but wanted to really start by the context in which you do that is the context of the fellowship of believers. So I, I think that at the most fundamental layer, uh, you discern your gifts by serving in the fellowship of the believers, um, and as you do that, uh, get uh, getting into the Word of God, looking how looking at these passages we're talking about this morning, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, to see how God himself talks about these gifts and how they're, they're to be used and what the intent is, seeing how that aligns with the ways that you are able to serve 
and uh, getting the feedback from the other believers around you, around um, around your ability to serve, and how you know the ways in which you um, God manifests His love through you. But I, I think it starts with getting into the context of of the church. No, that's absolutely right, Andrew. And and I would say once you are in that context, ask yourself, what are the things that I do that make people say? wow, God really loves me. <clears throat> and that's, that is you demonstrating your spiritual gifting to the church. When you get in that context and you're with people, you ought to be do, <coughs> doing things and behaving in a way, saying things, doing things um, that make people feel like God loves them. And they'll tell you what those things are. Man, when you said that, when you encouraged me, when you served me, when you did this, and there's a billion ways, there's literally an infinite number of ways that can happen. But the things that people in the church tell you that make them feel loved by God when they're around you, that's your spiritual gift. Whether it's the wisdom that you share with them, whether it's the 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 words that you use whether it's the songs that you sing whether it's your insights whether it's just the the simple acts of love and kindness you do for them whether it's just your faithful presence the fact that you're patient and calm and you listen to them when they they need things and it makes people feel like man god must love me so much because they gave me somebody like this in my life when people start saying things like that to you, that is your spiritual gift. That is, that's not the way people feel about people normally. And th that's something that God does in us. And it's a really beautiful thing. But it, again, it begins with, you got to be around people in order to know what that is. Yeah, I would even say, um, I would even say aiming to discern your gifts is, is probably not the right way to go about it in a similar way, the spiritual gifts inventory or the, um, you know, we were just kind of joking offline that it's not, it's not a Myers-Briggs. It's not a, an Enneagram number. You don't sit down and fill out a survey and then you get your profile. Um, to discern your, the gifts that you've been given, try to use them. Um, you know, and that it's not, it's not one size fits all. The list is not exhaustive. It's just God manifesting his love to his people through you. So whatever ways he does that, and maybe he does that uh, in Nate in specific ways more than he does in me or in Bobby, um, but it's it's not a it's not a an enneagram number. Yeah, and, and you know what? If if you try to love people, like if I were to go to Andrew and be like, "Hey, Andrew, I'm going to sing you a song of encouragement," <laughs> and it's just not going well, <laughs> I am not an aggressively bad singer, um, and Andrew does not feel loved by God. Does <laughs> not feel God's love with my song, or you know, in many cases, you know, a lot of people will fancy themselves, you know, prophets, and people do not feel loved by God when they hear your prophecy. <laughs> people do not feel loved by God when they hear your wisdom and insight into their life. <laughs> they, like, if people are consistently telling you, uh, "No, that does not," I don't feel God's love when you do that then that's probably not a spiritual gift. That's just you being meddlesome, right? Like, you know it's from the spirit when people, when people feel God and they don't feel you. And yeah, the, the best thing to do is just start trying to love people as best you can and the ways you manifest that love 
you'll, you'll realize, oh, the ways that are effective are the ones that God has empowered. And honestly, if you really, if you really engage with uh, the fellowship of the church, it does not take long to see opportunities for people to be loved on. Yeah. People, people need, people have needs. <laughs> it's a thing I've learned about people. They need things. From other people. Yeah, from other people. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, if we're honest about it, a lot of times the way that our churches are set up uh, cut us off at the knees yes. when we think about spiritual gifts. Um, you know, the questions of, you know, well, are, are some people more gifted than others? Are, um, uh, you know, are, are pastors the ones that possess all the spiritual gifts um, are the staff people and, and what they're getting paid to do. Are those gifts more important than other gifts that other people have that are, you know, and they're not getting paid for those things. And so uh, being, being a, being in this position, one of the things I've realized is that when you start talking to people about, the priesthood of all believers. When you start talking to people about, you know, specifically Ephesians chapter four and, you know, encouraging everyone to be actively using their gift for unity and, and to build up the body. And um, you get people that get excited about that in theory, but then they look around at what their church experience has been and how they've been preconditioned to think about being involved with church and it doesn't compute because some people get paid to do things. Some people get, um, some people are platformed in front of other people in, in their gifts. Other gifts in the church are just completely ignored and there's no place for them. And so I think, you know, as, as, as pastors, this is something that we are aware of that I think we are, we actively, try to battle against and give people uh, a healthy understanding of what this is and to make space for that. But, um, you know, we've, got, we've, we've, we've touched on this just a little bit, but two questions that I think are, are really important for us to answer here is, number one, why do many Christians neglect their gifts? And then number two, why are many Christians boxed out from using their gifts? in the local church. So let's take that first one. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this uh, just a minute ago that, you know, many people, many Christians neglect their gifts simply because they're not connected to a community of Christians where those yeah. gifts can be made evident. But what are some other reasons that you all see about, about uh, that, that contribute to the neglect of the gifts of the spirit? Uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? Like one of the the core things about a spiritual gift is it should make people think about God. And when we do things that make people think about us, uh, that feels really good. And there's certainly folks that spend a lot of time worried. About, and, and honestly, a lot of them are, uh, a lot of them are pastors, right? You spend a lot of time worried about how can I make people understand how smart I am, understand how can I make people think about, uh, you know, my, my training or my wisdom or my knowledge. And 
that's a really different thing than how can I make people feel like God loves them? And we just do things out of selfish motives. Sometimes we're all like, we're all guilty of it. Like that, that's not, that's not like a, Oh, other people thing. Like, you know, I, it's as, it's as true for me as it is for anybody. Like it's just real easy to get hung up on making yourself look good, making yourself look important, making yourself look smart, whatever the thing is. People are not taught well. People are not developed well. Um, as I mentioned, I think the professionalization of church ministry, and again, you know, I am a quote unquote professional, so uh, I, I have a I have a real tension here in my own in my own understanding, in my own convictions about how churches should operate, and even how and and how I currently exist in in uh, in our church as a as a paid pastor um but you know if if you can just hire a bunch of people to do all the functions of the church then it's not real there's not a real um uh you you don't have to be urgent <laughs> when you think about teaching the rest of the congregation to exercise their spiritual gifts uh if there's a certain number of people who can do everything in the church then you know the other 80 or 90 percent of your church doesn't really need to know yeah how to do their thing and, and i'll and, say and that's a problem i'll say that look i don't want to turn this into like a, a toot in our own horn kind of thing we've got tons of problems at, at soma northwest there's lots of stuff we're not good at one of the things we try really hard to do and you know we've heard it from other other people we had a brother come and uh who was doing, you know, research into, you know, church plants uh, and had met with a lot of church planners. When he came to Soma Northwest, you know, one of the things he told us was just like, I'm just amazed at how many different people you guys have up speaking and sharing on a Sunday morning. He's like, I never see that. Like, that's not, that's not a normal thing to have so many different voices, so many different people uh, sharing. And honestly, that was like one of the most beautiful things anybody could say, because that is not an accident for us. Like that, that wasn't just like, oh, wow, you happened to show up at some morning where we had, you know, a bunch of people talking. Like it's one of the things we really believe in that we want to have as many people engaged. And, and you know, in a, in a two hour service, it's impossible to have everybody in the church do something. But we want as many people and as many different people as often as possible to be sharing, to be speaking, to be vocal in front of the body, because we believe that they, we all have the spirit, we will all be taught by God, that we all have different manifestations and gifts. And some of you are really thankful that you don't speak on Sunday mornings, <laughs> but some of you have amazing things to say. And we, we want to be a place where the church gets to hear from all the members because we think the spirit of God is working in all of you. And that's something we've we've really been able to do differently uh, that I think has been really valuable about this this period where we're we're online and we're trying to figure out different ways of meeting that we've really been able to deconstruct what the Sunday morning expectation and really emphasize and put forward more people in the church speaking encouragement to one another using their yeah. gifts to speak into one another's lives and that's honestly that's something that I've learned a ton about in my time at Soma Northwest because I came with a lot of baggage and a just very structured understanding of how church functioned and how Sunday morning functioned and 
I know I've, I've shared the story before about um, when we first were interviewing for the music position and you guys were like, hey, we got this resume. Uh, it's from this woman and blah, blah, blah. Here's how we got it. And immediately I was thinking, oh, I thought this was a role for a, I'm using air quotes, you guys can't see it, but role for a pastor, which would be a man or we, I didn't know we were considering women. And um, it just totally schooled me in my, in my thinking about how ch the church functions and how Sunday morning functions. And uh, there's probably, the, yeah, there might be, might not be anybody at Soma that I've been more blessed and encouraged and helped by than to me, not just in her singing, but just this week, I was listening to the the prayer line, the recording, because I'm have a hard time getting up at six o'clock in the morning for her prayer sessions. But I'm mean, just weeping and convicted and having had God revealed to me through my sister's faithfulness and getting up at six in the morning and leading other people in prayer. Um, yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Andrew. Like I, I, I've as much as, you know, I would have called it a point of pride, which is always probably a bad idea that we're, we're good at involving a lot of different people. This quarantine has showed me how far we have to go because, oh my gosh, every time we do it, people are sharing scriptures and words of instruction and wisdom. And I've heard my brothers and sisters speak into each other's lives and marriages with wisdom and insight that I don't have. There's a real, there's a real limit to the amount of stuff that I'm really, that I'm useful in talking about. And I've heard folks share things that I know were from God because I could feel God's love for me and I could feel God's love for his church when they said them you know, which is what we're saying a spiritual gift is. And that is as much a function of the opportunity to do so. And, you know, it's one of those things, like even as we, you know, whenever we get to come back together, it's something that we're going to constantly have to push ourselves to take a good hard look at. How can we make sure that even now all the more we're giving space for one another to share our gifts, songs, hymns, spiritual songs, words of wisdom. These are things that uh, Paul told the Corinthian church that they ought to be doing for each other. When you come together, everyone's got something. Everyone has something. It, it was very clear that it wasn't just like everyone who's paid, everyone who has an official <laughs> title, everyone who, no, everyone has a word of instruction or a psalm or a hymn or something to share because everyone has the spirit of God and the spirit of God wants the church to know how much he loves it. Yeah, and there's a sense in which we haven't necessarily talked about this, but there's a sense in which the gift of the Holy spirit is not just a gift to the, to the recipient of, uh, of the love that God is pouring through someone else. Uh, but it's also a gift to you, the giver. When I'm, when I'm exercising my spiritual gifts, that's, that is God. And, uh, empowering me to participate in the life of the spirit that Jesus participated in. It's God. Uh, it, it is God pulling us into the work that he's, he was doing through Jesus and Jesus time on earth that he's now doing through us. So to the extent that Nate's the only one that's allowed to speak encouragement to people or to rebuke people or to sing, sing hymns and spiritual songs, you know, it's you're hogging the gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, that's that's really the joy of the Christian life, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we get to do these things because guys, newsflash, God doesn't need us. The rocks, I mean, Jesus says the rocks will cry out if they don't. We get 
the privilege, we get the joy, the honor, the excitement of being able to serve Almighty God. Like, it's a blessing that we get to do this. But it, he doesn't do, he doesn't like have us do it because, you know, he somehow needs what we've got to offer. Like, he lets us do it because he loves us and it's healthy for us. So, yeah, when we don't do it, we're, we're stealing from ourselves. And I mean, that's, that's one of the things that contributes to why church is just so meh for a lot of people, right? I mean, yeah. if, if your idea of being involved in a local church is that you just show up on a Sunday morning and you just sit in your seat or you, and you listen to everybody else on stage and, and really like you may, you may talk to one or two people during the greeting time or like on your way out of the door. Um, there's no, there's no skin in the game. There's no like real investment. And I've had a number of conversations with people during this quarantine time where I'm like, I wonder how, I wonder how many people whose experience that is are actually going to come back to church when we're able to meet together because they've been able to do the same thing in their PJs from their couch every Sunday morning. They've been able to flip their computers open or turn their TV on and just, and watch it there in the comfort of their own home. And, and, and so again, it, it, it gets real easy for us to critique our church experience. Um, and I think we're all aware of, of just some of the shortcomings uh, of, of American church life. But um, I think that that is something that contributes to people just not really feeling like their involvement in the church really means anything. And if, and we all know like, man, we have so many options today of places to be involved in. And so many people are dead tired in the evenings and on the weekends um, that, yeah, if you're not really invested in a community of people, then it's really easy just to say, well, all right, like that's, that's just not worth my time. Yeah. And I think that what we see and what we have seen in our Soma Northwest community is so many people being involved in the community. And yeah, it's like we have a hundred people in our church but I think it's a great size that it, it requires people to do things and it requires investment and requires people to show up and be present and because we need people. And, and I think that that's one of the things is like, you know, we, we, we actually need people in our church uh, to, to work and to encourage and to, to do the things that, that the church needs to be done and that people need to be, need to receive. And at the exact same time, because even with, you know, you know, just a, just a hundred people, just around over a hundred people, there's still only so much time on Sunday mornings. That's when you really realize like, oh, the expression of church and using spiritual gifts can't possibly be limited to an hour plus on Sunday morning. If that's all you're ever going to get to show God's love to the believers, that is a real crowded period of time. You know what I mean? And one of the things that's been, again, beautiful in all of this time is I've just seen so many people, as, as our people have done really consistently from before day one of Soma Northwest, just seeing people utilizing their spiritual gifts throughout the week, all week long, 
at their jobs, in their homes, uh, with people, even during social distance time. I, I've seen people be gracious and generous to one another and to reach out and to care. And then you realize like, oh, there's so much more to being the body of Christ than just what happens on Sunday morning. This is a question I wanted to ask you guys, and um, maybe we can riff on this for a little bit, but I, but I think it would be good. I think it'd be good for our listeners to hear us talk about this and, and, and uh, just dr maybe even dream a little bit, but I feel like the two groups of people that often get left out of this the most are women. Uh, I think, you know, in, in, in churches where honestly, like we have, and we believe from scriptures that, that the, the pastors and the elders um, are, need to be men. Um, we have, sometimes have a really hard time making space for women, uh, especially women who are, who are gifted in, uh, in teaching and exhortation and, and, um, and these proclamation gifts. Uh, we, we have a hard time finding space for them to do that. And also, I think kids, kids as well, teenagers, you know, kids who, who are, who are Christians, <laughs> who are Christ followers, uh, sometimes they get boxed out and, and our kids just kind of come in and just do, they just show up. Um, and so, you know, as we, as we think about the continued maturation of our Soma Northwest community, just want to ask you guys, what, what are some ways we want to encourage women and, and our, and our, and our kids and our teens to eagerly seek out the gifts and, and to use them? within our body. So I would first of all, of course, just say that, again, the idea of a spiritual gift being anything you do that makes people feel like God loves them. Um, that is something that you do whether or not you have any specific speaking work. I, I, you keep, we probably are going to need to like back up and, and edit. Like, I feel like it's going to be really hard to have this conversation without getting into it. Like a whole, like turning this into a whole <laughs> other topic than I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to limit this conversation without getting into like what pastorship means, what eldership means. I, I, I'm struggling to like, I feel like that that's a, I want to say a can of worms, but like, that's just feels like a different podcast a little bit. Well, I can speak to specifically speak to the kids. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but Nate, you brought up your your experience where kids were much more involved in leading the older kids. You know, teenage kids were much more involved in leading the uh, Sunday morning time or whatever for the for the younger kids. And to some extent, I think we've done an okay job of creating some space for the older kids to come into the classrooms and help. Um, I, I think it's just being more intentional to. Um, create more opportunities for them to really take ownership of some of that ministry and really, um, really press in and lead some of it. And we've got, we've got teens that have the maturity to do that. Um, so it's just being aware that they're there and being aware that there are needs that they can meet and that it's a gift to them as well as to the younger kids from God to enable them to do that or empower them to do that or to get out of their way so they can do that. 
Yeah, one of the biggest blessings in our young life as a church uh, has been, uh, I think we've done it twice, our teen Sunday, um, where we've had and invited um, our our teenagers to participate in all of the different facets of our Sunday morning gathering. Um, and we've given them opportunities to to lead through liturgy and to to serve in the different um, production roles of Sunday morning. Um, and and I think that we've gotten, well, I don't think, I know, we've gotten so much good feedback from people, from other adults in the church, even if their kids weren't participating um, in, in the Sunday, it's a huge blessing. And I think that they, it, it, it was a picture of, yeah, like when a group of people who isn't normally uh, uh, given space to serve and to love the body of Christ, when they're, when they're actually given that space to do it, we recognize, wow, that was a void. <laughs> and that was something we were missing in that these, these teenagers have a lot to offer um, and they have a lot to, to give to our church. And so, you know, I was, I was just thinking about this and I think that, that there is, there's a lot more work to do. And I agree, Nate, like maybe we should take some, uh, another podcast to talk through uh, this issue and give it, uh, more more context, but um, but but I do believe, and I and I have been very very encouraged at the number of people who have stepped up and responded uh, when given the opportunity, especially just on Sunday morning, to um, to encourage and to use that time um, to step into that time to bless and to love the others who are who are there. Um, and so, you know, as we as we think about particularly this <clears throat> this quarantine time, um, and as I mentioned from the outset, um, this this week, which has just been a, a really bad week, a uh, really heavy week, where do the gifts come into play uh, during a week like this, uh, when people are hurting, when people uh, are wrestling uh, with tragedy uh, when people just feel the weight of darkness in very, very specific ways. How can we use our gifts in, in this time uh, to build up the body, to love each other, um, and really to, to manifest Jesus Christ to our people and to and to our community. So on Thursday, on I guess it was Wednesday night. Now, um, you know, I got a call about eight from Tamise <laughs> that there had been uh, a police action shooting in our neighborhood. Um, you know, she was she was distraught, and that the the young man had, you know, live streamed it on Facebook and um, you know, it, it took me like kind of a half minute just to figure out what, what had happened. And, and, you know, I went and I saw the video and it was, became very clear that this was going to be um, that this, this was a tragedy in our community. And it is right. Anytime someone loses their life, 
especially uh, in a violent way, it is a tragedy. It is, it, it, it wasn't even a moment or a time too often these kinds of discussions turn into like, well, what was the, what was the person doing? And we immediately try to get into like somehow whether, you know, it was things were justified or unjustified, which are all the wrong questions, right? Like a young man had lost his precious life. Like regardless of anything else, that was true. And that was dark and terrible. And it was clear that um, our community was going to be, just in trauma and pain because of what had happened. And I remember sitting on my couch just thinking, I, I don't know what to do. What, what, what's even the right thing to do? And I, you know, I looked at Deb and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get my coat and we're just going to go down there. And, you know, so we went down to the, um, the site of the shooting, which is just a few blocks from my house. Um, you know, there were protesters gathered, there were, there were mourners, um, emotions were really high. And you, we were there just to be present in that moment. And because we knew that whatever else, Jesus, this was a place and a time that Jesus needed to be, right? And we are the representation of Jesus to people. So at a time in which people were in pain and people were hurting, the only thing we could really do is physically go and stand there as if Jesus was just standing there watching this. He was watching the police do their investigation. He was watching the protesters scream. Uh, he was watching the tears. He was watching the anger and the frustration and the confusion that Jesus was there and that he was there and <coughs> available. And listen, there were a lot of folks there on the scene um, on both sides of the line that uh, we're not <laughs> we're, we're not listening to the spirit of Jesus, <laughs> but I know that there were lots of folks that were, and uh, over the course of the night, we prayed with people, we kept vigil and just kept watch, um, and it was clear that what using your spiritual gifts meant in the middle of this kind of pain and this kind of tragedy. It just meant being present so people know that Jesus loves them, being present so people know that they're not alone. And like, you know, like we, we didn't, there was nothing like dramatic or anything else to do. We literally just stood there in the cold for three hours and just watched and just prayed and tried to be present. And then the next night with our MC as, um, I watched people process their pain and their tears as I listened to African-American brothers and sisters just express their anguish over another lost life. Um, listening to everyone share honestly the way they were processing what they were feeling and what God was teaching in their hearts, it was healing for everyone. And I think everybody involved felt God's love. So you want to know what it means to use your spiritual gifts in these times. It means to go and to be present and to be honest with pain, to grieve, to lament, to mourn, and to just let others know that you feel what they are feeling. And there's just immense blessing in that. And um, yeah, I was ministered to by it. And I know um, 
yeah, everybody that was on that call last that night was was really ministered by just brothers and sisters being emotionally present uh, in what is a really painful and dark time. Yeah. And it starts with us recognizing that, like, I need you and you need me. And, and, you know, I was also, I was texting with a friend of mine last night and, you know, he and his family are, have just been really in a dark season and he's going through a really rough time. And, you know, he was just expressing how much it's meant to them for our family to, you know, just do very simple things to care for them and to, to meet some very tangible needs. And, and, you know, I had just told him like, yeah, like we, life, life is just really, really hard. And for us to think that we can get through it on our own uh, is, is a foolish thing. And, you know, in this moment, it's like, okay, you know, maybe some of us are ministering to others in the community, but we're doing that with the understanding that like our time will come as well. Yes. You know, our time will come where we will need to be ministered to, where we will need to sit with people and cry uh, and, and where we will need people to show up to our house with a meal or to, to do something um, for us, to love us. And, and I think when you, when you begin to understand that and when you begin to like really break down a lot of the individualism and the self-sufficiency that we just, I mean, it's just the, the water, we, the stream that we swim in. We don't even a lot of times realize that we're doing it until tragedy strikes and we realize, hey, I don't have what it takes to get through this. I need something from someone else. I need to know and experience the love of God through someone else. When we begin to experience those things and live in that, then all of this begins to make sense. And we begin to see like what Paul is saying here to yeah, like when we exercise these things, especially in times of tragedy and, and, and just real trial, um, that we begin to come, we, our bond strengthens, our community grows thicker, um, we become unified because all of the petty things that so often desire, uh, divide us begin to fall by the wayside. And we begin to see, hey, these are the things that really matter. And this is what we really need in each other's life. Lives. Yeah, I think uh, Romans 12 verses 9 and following are really, uh, if you're going to start somewhere, that's a really good place for just thinking through what this looks like in this context. That That is a really good list. I think, you know, of the list, this is a good one to start with, to think through, um, how we can, how we can be sensitive to or available for God to use God to pour out his grace and love through us. Um, Romans 12 verses nine and following is, is a really good starting place. Nate, I just wanted read, to add, can you read uh, those? Andrew, yeah, yeah. can you read those yep. verses for us? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. 
be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I just wanted to add, um, we talked about how the gift of the Spirit of God is the manifestation of his grace and love through us uh, expressly to build up the body of Christ. And that's one of the takeaways that I had from Wednesday evening is the believers that were there, yeah. uh, the encouragement that they got from other believers being there. And, you know, we, we met uh, a handful of um, African-American pastors and were able to pray with some of them. And uh, they expressed real encouragement in, in other pastors from the neighborhood being down there and being available. So uh, I'll just affirm that if nothing else, um, yes, Jesus was there in as much as his people were there. Um, but I did see and can affirm his body being built up just by, by our presence there. Yeah. I think for me, one of the, one of the most powerful moments of the evening was, and honestly, there were a handful of people that were just really raging throughout the night, as you can imagine. Um, because anytime one of these events happens and they happen way too often, one of the things that people often miss, it's really easy to want to get into the details of any specific occurrence, right? But the fact is that this is an open wound for a whole segment of our community, right? It should be an open wound for all of us that every time a young man loses his life, it, the word, you know, whether it's, whether there's a justified shooting or not is like it's such a dis not appropriate way to even think about it right these are just open wounds we've got beautiful young men who have lost their lives and people are going to feel what they feel and they're going to be angry and there's going to be so much grief and sorrow and it's never about one thing it's always about all the ones that have come before it too and that's okay because we, as long as those wounds never heal, as long as we never actually heal anything, it will every time something happens, it will always be about all the other times. Um, and and you hear as I listen to African American brothers and sisters talk, I hear that so that pain, right? That like you start hearing the list of names, and it's sobering and it's heart crushing, right? And then folks want to write off any specific one of them. Well, this one was this and that one was that. It misses the point entirely. <laughs> the point is this just keeps happening and we just keep losing <laughs> beautiful young men. And so there was a moment of like real anger where the crowd kind of started picking up in intensity and they, you know, folks were jumping on top of a car and shouting, you know, F the police and uh, doing that famous chant. And at that moment, you know, we just got on our knees and just started 
praying. We were right there at the front of the the tape. We were just praying. We were praying for forbearance, uh, for safety for people, and just praying that God's spirit would be present. And you know, at that moment, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, came came around and started praying with us. Right. So at the same moment, the world is on top of the car, looking for justice, looking for vengeance, looking to do harm to those who had harmed them. The church was there in front, praying, asking for God's mercy, um, asking God to intercede, asking God to be present. And that that was really beautiful because that's that's really all we can do. But if we aren't present in those moments, if we're not even there, if we don't even care enough to to show up when stuff happens in in our neighborhood, right? Like not on national news, but like in our neighborhood at our library, if we're, if we're not even there and God was, God was good. Soma Northwest was there. There were other churches that were there, but if we're not there in that moment, then how is anybody going to know that God still loves them? All they're going to feel is the anger and the wrath and the rage at another uh, lost loved one. The, the, God's love will be absent for them in that situation. Not that God isn't loving, but they won't be able to feel it because there's nobody there to manifest it to them. And at least in that moment, we were able to, to just be present and manifest God's love. And that's a spiritual gift. You know what I mean? Like just getting on your knees and praying in that moment made people feel safe and loved. And that was, that was God's, that was God's spirit at work. So an encouragement uh, for those of you listening, as you're thinking about the the days and weeks ahead, when you're thinking about um, these tragedies that we've experienced in our city this week, you think about the just the ongoing uncertainty uh, with coronavirus and and all of the the ancillary effects that that's having on our society and on people and. when we when we think about we talked about this a few weeks ago as it relates to the life of jesus that you know when when the 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 gospel writers refer back to isaiah and isaiah's prophecy about the messiah that uh he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That as Jesus was, Jesus did all of those things through the power of the spirit, that, that the spirit was on him and empowered him to do these Messiah-like things. As we think about the days and weeks ahead, how do we encourage one another? How do we heal, uh, uh, be involved in, in healing wounds and, and proclaiming um, God's love to others? How are we involved in, in bringing people who are enslaved uh, to freedom? We do it by the Spirit, and we do it through the Spirit, that as we are involved in these things, something as simple as showing up reaching out to people who are in pain, uh, praying for people who are hurting and suffering, um, caring for people in very tangible need. This is a manifestation of the spirit. Um, and so, you know, don't, 
I, I just want to encourage us, let's not get in our heads about this and overthink these things. Let's just mm -hmm. show up and be present and let's mm -hmm. do the things that, that we would want other people to do for us and knowing that even if people aren't specifically asking for something, that we would want those things to be done to us and for us if we were in, um, in pain and in, and in need. And um, so as we wind this conversation down, um, and, and next week we are going to get into some, some of the specific um, so-called sign gifts, prophetic gifts. Uh, next week we're going to look at the, the gift of tongues and, and tackle that, which should be a, 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 a fun and interesting conversation for us. Um, as we wind this conversation down, the thing that we want you to know is that the gifts, whatever gifts they are, were given to the church for the common good, so that the church can grow healthy, so the church can work properly, so that people can know and experience the love of God. And that's it. That's it. At, at, at its basic level, we want people to know God's love. We want to know God's love. And God has given us in his grace gifts to be able to experience that. So closing thoughts, fellas. I, a couple of years ago, uh, talked about this passage and, and was trying to say that your spiritual gift is God's love poured into a U-shaped box, not the letter U, but a box that looks like Y-O-U. And you want to know what your spiritual gift is. It's yourself. It's the way God made you. It's your background, your, hist your personal history, your pains, your scars, your sins, the things you've been forgiven of, um, your gender, your, 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 your physical self. And it's God taking all those things that, that, that make up, make you, you pouring his love for others into you and then letting you demonstrate his love. That is, that is your spiritual gift and all the things that have brought you to this point, all the things, even the things that you're ashamed of, even the things that you feel weird about in yourself, those are all things that God wants to redeem and activate and use to show his love to the world. And I think that you are beautiful and I think that God loves you. And I think God wants to show other people how much he loves them through you. Um, so don't neglect your gift. Don't fail to show people how much God loves them by thinking there's something horrible about you or broken or ugly that somehow God can't use to show love because there's a whole lot of people that needs God that need God's love and he wants to use it in and through you. Yeah, I would just add do it for the joy. It is it is it is the gift of God to be able to pour out God's love to other people. So don't miss that aspect of it. Guys, thanks for this conversation. Um, thank you out there for listening. We hope that this has been encouraging for you. We hope that this has uh, brought some clarification on 
what the gifts of the spirit are and, and why they were giving, given and, and how they should be manifested um, in, in our body, um, in the body of Christ. So we pray God's blessing on you this week. We pray that his face would shine on you. We pray that God would heal our city and that God would make his name known and his greatness known uh, in and through us. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.